0: Hey there, listener. I want to thank you for listening to the National Land Realty Podcast. Now, please remember to like, share, and review our show. If you can, take a second, hit pause, and give us a quick review. It only takes about a minute to write what you think about the content that you hear on this show. Good or bad, we want to hear it. Thank you in advance. Now on with the show. to episode number 20 of the National Land Realty podcast, where we discuss all things land. Our goal here is to inform, educate, and entertain those of you who own land or are interested in the buying and selling of land throughout the United States. My name is Mac Christian and I am the chief marketing officer here at National Land Realty. I'll be your host for this episode. Now in this episode, I'm talking with Jack Gabriel out of Mississippi and licensed in Alabama, Arkansas, Louisiana, and Mississippi. Jack has a decade of experience in land and is a lifelong outdoorsman. He's here to share his knowledge about government programs that can pay you to help in making improvements to your land. But that's not all. Like always, we go where the conversation takes us, and it always involves land. There's a lot of information here, and Jack is as knowledgeable as they come. Now sit back and enjoy the show. I am sitting here with Jack Gabriel of Mississippi. Uh, Jack is a land agent with, with National Land Realty. And, and Jack, can you tell me a little bit just how you got started in this business and, and, you know, how long you've been a land agent and how long you've been around, you know, just land in general?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, I started in the land business in 2012, working for another company. I've uh, been full time in it since then. Been with National Land about two years now. And, um, I, I got in it because I got laid off from a, a job, uh, at a, in the hospital. I was a radiation therapist before and kind of, instead of feeling sorry for myself, so what can I do to, to go do something I enjoy and am passionate about? So I took my real estate classes online and I think within a month I was licensed in Mississippi. Uh, currently I'm licensed in Mississippi, Louisiana alabama tennessee and arkansas holy cow
0: that's
1: a lot of tests (laughs) yeah yeah well it kind of if you look at my bio online i've lived in louisiana alabama mississippi and arkansas so i've kind of covered a lot of terrain i grew up hunting in louisiana duck hunting in venice in south louisiana and deer hunting in north louisiana um so i've always had a passion for the outdoors uh i'm I'd say my weakness is I'm not a forester. So when people, you know, talk timberland, I, I typically have to, you know, get some help with that. But when it comes to recreational land and agricultural properties, you know, row crop farms, that's what I really enjoy. Uh, been a member of RLI from day one. Uh, have my accredited land consultant designation uh, currently serve. Just got elected to be the secretary of the uh, Mississippi RLI chapter uh, so I'll be serving in that role this year, which is kind of fun being on the board of directors
0: for our state chapter. So, so Jack, you mentioned RLI, and you mentioned the the accredited land consultant, and and I wanted to ask you about that specifically the the accreditation. Um, so the the RLI is the Realtors Land Institute, which is is an organization designed to increase knowledge about land for for real estate agents or land agents, and and they do several Class, um, class-based learning sessions with agents around the country, and one of their highest level of accreditations that they give out is somebody who has undergone the accredited land consultant training, which you have. So, um, tell me a little bit about that program.
1: So, the ALC or accredited land consultant designation requirements are, you've got to take a certain amount of education through RLI, and you've got to meet certain production criteria i think it's 10 million dollars of total sales in a certain period of time and once you do that then you've got to take uh what do we call sort of your alc final exam um so a comprehensive exam on your basically your your knowledge of land um land topics as well as You've got to write an essay and go back and take all the deals that added up that ten million dollars worth of sales and put together the whole package of closing statements, you know what the property type was, and you have to elaborate where you know were there any problems how did you fix it and then you submit that to the board of directors and they evaluate it and say, okay, yeah, this is good, and they approve it, or they deny it. Um, it's not something that happens overnight. It takes time. Uh, I think it's definitely worth getting because when you get that ALC designation and you can put those credentials behind your name, not only are you proud to have that, but it also shows that you're an expert in land. You might not be an expert in every aspect of land, but your overall knowledge of land and the different aspects of it, you've covered through the ALC program.
0: Gotcha. So so as you're going through this, they, they're they not just testing you on, on academic stuff. You can't just go into the books and, and say, hey, you know, theoretically it's this and this and this. And like, you're not just answering questions. They're actually looking at all of your, your personal, like your business that you've gone through to qualify for this in the first place. So they, that's they, right. track, they track the actual things that you've done for best practice anyways. And so that's it, kind of a rare thing, right? To where, where you know, if I wanted to be, um, you know, if I want to be an attorney or something, they're not going to go back through and, and analyze every like job I've held and how I did that job and, you know, see how I performed. Um, you know, it's it's kind of a rare thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know they they look at it as the academic side is one part of it, but the production side is a major part of it. Um anybody can read a book and take a test or take a class, but to actually meet the criteria on the production side shows that you're doing the job. you know you're not just you're not just taking a test and taking classes to get an A. You're actually. Taking the classes and going out and implementing all these practices and closing deals.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's not even like a driver's test. Like this is, you know, it's not where you're in a controlled environment with an instructor or something. It's just how you work every day. It's just it seems really unique. But but I I, the rationale behind it is also fairly essential that you know you have to know land and work with land and has shown extensive history with it. Um, You know, it all makes sense. It's just unique with 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 how they approach that. Um, you also played football in college. Is that right?
1: Well, let's just say I was on the team. I was a punter. So I don't know how much ah. you can say I played football. <laughs> I was a wide receiver and a punter, but I only punted in college. So, you know, uh, yeah, I, I played football, but let's just, you know, let's just, <laughs> not, not, don't give me too much credit there.
0: Well, you know, it's, it's you can always claim the, the football piece for college, you know, that's right. That's right. Well, I you know, I, I admire that because I think it's, you know, one of the safer pieces on the team, right? You know, you just run out and do your job and go home.
1: It's funny you say that, because uh we were gonna play Penn State on a Thursday night ESPN game. And during the team period, we were my I got almost during my senior year, somebody dove on my leg and I was out the rest of the year. So
0: Oh no. Well, I guess it's not the safest <laughs> position on the team.
1: Yeah, well, you know, and, and the funny thing is, the reason I got to to play in letter is the punter before me got hit during a, during a game and tore his ACL. So, yeah, uh, you know, uh, it, it, it seems safe, but uh, Jamie and I kind of had our, our downturn. We got we both got hurt.
0: So. Nobody's safe on the football field, man, if the punters go down like that.
1: Well, and, you know, it. We did all the work. I mean, we had to be there for the workouts and do all that. It's just, you know, our practices were a little different. And, and obviously, you know, you get in a game an average of maybe three or four times. So um, that's why it's hard to say I played football, you know, because <laughs> I'd much rather have been hitting somebody or somebody hit me. But, hey, it <laughs> paid for my school, you know. I'm glad, I, oh, yeah. I'm glad my leg was good enough to be able to, to get a scholarship and play football.
0: Well, it's like, that. that's one of the positions on the field where, you know, you're given what you are and what you do. You're the one person that doesn't want to play, right? It's like, <laughs> you don't want to ever send the punter out on the field in first place. So like, when you go out, you know, things haven't gone right. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I used to ruffle feathers sometimes.
1: Cause you know, if you had a bad punt and it might come over come on, man, you do better than that. <laughs> you know, all you gotta do is kick the ball. And I'm like, well, hey, I just saw you miss a tackle. All you had to do was tackle that guy. It was the same for you. And
0: uh, If that, you would tackle that, the man that, you were that, supposed to, I wouldn't be on the field.
1: That 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 didn't go over well sometimes, but I, at the end of the day, it kind of gained you some respect because you wasn't just going to take a bunch of crap from a bunch of guys. You were like, hey, I'm doing my best. You're doing your best. Let's work together. You know?
0: Yeah, yeah. Which is the right. It's not spot. like I
1: intentionally – I didn't intentionally shank that punt, buddy. You didn't intentionally miss that tackle either. Yeah. You know? <laughs> we're all oh, up at 5 a.m. in the weight room we're all studying film we're all going through all this together
0: yeah so. yeah well so yeah so so bringing it back to land because i mean i love that story too The, the, the you know punching <laughs> in college and all that but um yeah i want to bring it back to land real quick uh you know we, we were talking sort of before before we threw the record button on um and and you kind of started in and and it's a just just hearing your knowledge on the topic and and hearing you start start talking about it it's It's just a really interesting thing to talk about um you know programs that are available to landowners who basically by by doing the things that they already do and maybe a little bit more as far as improving their land. there's ways the landowners can make money to pay for projects on their land and and essentially pay for some of the land itself. Right. If they, if they work the pricing, right. But there's, there's ways to make money on your land just by making it habitable. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the main goal of any landowner I would think would be to improve their overall asset, you know, and to, to, to make it more valuable. Um, a lot of that people, think has to come out of their own pocket but through the usda the united states department of agriculture um you have the nrcs which is a natural resources conservation service and the uh, fsa the farm service agency they both that they, they have programs that will basically cost share some of these activities with landowners and it it's funny to me because a lot of people don't even know that there's a USDA office almost in every county or every parish, wherever you live. And all you have to do is go walk in there and sit down and talk to these people because they're good people. They're down to earth. They're educated in the arena that they're working in and they're very approachable. Um, So do not be intimidated just because it's, because it's a government facility. You know, it's not like going down to the DMV where everybody looks like they've been eating a sour patch kid. These people want, these people want you to come in there and talk to them and, and they can educate you on, Hey, okay. What type of property do you own book? And then you can ask the question, well, what kind of programs do you have that can assist me, um, in this project that I want to do? So you may have a lot of privet on a property, which is an invasive species. Um, I told you before we started, I know a guy that on a five-year contract got paid $90,000 to go in and manage that privet and mulch it to open up the, the understory. Um, and by doing that, Hey, he had income right for five years. And then, you know, there's other programs, uh, through the NRCS, like WRE wetlands reserve easement it used to be known as WRP, um, they're paying up to $3,600 an acre to take below average farmland, plant it in trees and develop waterfowl habitat or a, you know, make better quail habitat, make better uh, deer habitat. So you can take a piece of farmland and turn it into a recreational property, or at least part of it, not all of it. You don't want to take your highly productive ag land out and won't qualify, but the, the lower end stuff, add some recreational value to your farm. Um, Cause not everybody's a farmer, not everybody's a hunter, but when you can diversify your property, it makes it more attractive to the next end user.
0: Right. You know? and, and so a, a lot of these programs have to do with specifically farmland that you can convert, um, you know, you, whether, whether it's a highly productive unit or like you said, with the, with the wetlands program, you know, you take it's sort of one of the qualifiers is that it's kind of a mid range piece, right? Like it's not totally destitute, but it's not, you know, your, your top end producer, right? Right. Yeah. You,
1: you, they're not going to allow, you know, highly productive farmland into these programs. Now there are ways on highly productive farmland to make money through CSP uh, programs. Um so conservation stewardship programs. So say you have a highly productive farm and you wanna put an irrigation pipeline in or you wanna laser level that farm to increase its productivity uh, and also enhance its value. Well, these CSP programs, the uh, NRCS will pay sometimes up to 75% of the cost of that project. So instead of that landowner coming out of pocket 100%, All they got to come out of pocket is 25%. But that'll never happen if you don't go down to the USDA office and talk to the NRCS and FSA personnel, you know, um, there's, there are tons of opportunity. Um, you know, a lot of what I see because of where I'm located is wetlands and conservation for waterfowl. Um, and obviously uh row crop land improvement there are other programs for uh forest landowners. crp you don't hear much about it anymore but it's still it's still out there where you got a 10 to 15 year contract with the government of cost share uh you know planting trees on some below average farmland pasture land whatever
0: uh so, so, the, so that's two different programs that you talked about: is is the conservation stewardship program and the conservation reserve program. Um, your background is pretty strong with the the conservation stewardship program. So, what is it? What is it like? Sort of, you know, you mentioned walking into a USDA DA office. What would a landowner expect if they did that? Like, so the, so there's a licensing. There's you know qualifications. There's you know how do, how does that sort of relationship progress? You know, when somebody decides. Hey, I want to, I want to check out improving my land and seeing, you know, what I can do. And one thing I wanted to touch on too, is you mentioned, you know, one of the, one of the landowners that you knew had had pulled $90,000 to take care of, uh, remind me of the plant species. Privet heads. Privet heads. Yeah. Which I, I don't see in the Northwest, (laughs) but they are. Um, But, but when somebody does that, you know, any invasive species takes a lot of work, a lot of time, a lot of money to deal with. And so, you know, when, when someone's looking at this, like, Hey, I could make money on my land. It's like, you're probably not making all that much because of all the time, money, and effort that you're putting into the land, but you do get reimbursed for the effort. And, and then you come out with a more valuable piece of land. So, so the process that you go through when you sort of like sit down with these people and, and, and talk to these federal agencies that that are there to help out landowners, you know, what's what it was that, what's that whole thing like?
1: Uh, like i said earlier uh, most of them are very approachable um not all of them know everything about all these programs uh because different regions may have um more focus on forest lands and different regions may have more focus on farmland so you've got to you know kind of think about the region you're in what may apply to your farm or to your ranch and go in and ask the questions. Like I said, I'm, I'm going to just go back to Agland. Um, and I stopped by the Faraday Louisiana USDA office two weeks ago and I just popped in no appointment. And I asked to speak to the WRE coordinator and he came out, and we talked for forty five minutes, just i mean, I wasn't there to apply for anything, but he handed me you know an inch thick uh stack of brochures and educational information. um I told him what I did, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, talk to landowners about this, tell them to come see me. I'll be glad to to you know educate them on anything because." He told me. He said, "You know, your your tax dollars pay for us to be here and pay for these projects, and we need to um, utilize these programs not just from a funding standpoint. You know, because we have a budget. You know, not from a penny pension standpoint from the federal government either. Like we got a budget, we got to use these money, this money. But from a conservation standpoint, uh, these people are passionate about land, water resources." wildlife uh so they enjoy it and as a landowner if you can walk through your piece of land and say what would i do what would i like to do to this farm it's kind of like walking through a house what do i want to do to renovate my house i want to put granite countertops i want to change the bathtubs well walk through your piece of property and say wow i wish i had a fire lane here or i wish you know i don't i don't know what kind of plants these are maybe somebody can come help me i mean the usda the the nrcs will come do site visits and and walk through your property with you yeah it's just it's just getting in there and you know it's just like anything else especially in the land business it's about developing relationships and 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 fostering those relationships and i think you you know you don't want to go in there and every day and drink a cup of coffee with them but if you go in there and it's productive time and and they see that you're trying to do the right things on your farm and you're asking all the, the right questions, you're going to develop a relationship with them to where they're going to probably, Hey, we got a new, they might, they might pick up the phone and call you. Hey, we got a new program. I think your farm may qualify. Why don't you come in and let's visit, you know?
0: Yeah. And you bring up a really, really good point. When you talk about that, um, you know, you mentioned one, I, I realizing that, that somebody working in one of those offices was essentially marketing to you and giving you brochures and saying, "Hey, can you help me get the word out?" but the but the other point is that that those USDA offices that are in your area, it's not like it's not like you're knocking on the door of something to go in and kind of make a pitch, right? It's not like you are you're hoping that they're going to help you because they're a company that sometimes does that, and it's kind of a you know, sort of a contest thing, right? Like you've already paid for that service through taxes. It's, it's a federal program. So, so you've already vested in it. They, they exist to help you not to sort of like analyze what you're doing. So you're not going in to, to just hope and dream that, that they might talk to you about something. It's their job to talk to you about those things Like they to help you with your land.
1: Yeah. It's not, yeah. You can't go into to, open the door of the USDA office thinking, Oh, this is like a cold calling visit or a cold exactly call. That. That's a way to it's not, it. it's not that they, and they say, we're here. We work for you. You know, it's just like being a land agent. When we have a listing, we work for that seller, you know, well, these USDA offices, they work for you. You've already paid their salary through tax, you know, tax money. Um, one other thing I didn't mention before, uh, you know, the USDA offices are great, but look at your local extension offices like Mississippi State University has extension offices all over the state. And so, I mean, they're they're kind of like the USDA office on a state level. And gosh, they are so helpful. You can go in and it you know, they may have brochures on aging white-tailed deer, you know, the right food plots to plant in certain areas of the state. Um, you know what what to do with chicken houses, what to do with cattle grounds. So uh, they're free too. I mean, you just have to go up and and talk to people. You can't be scared to to go in and and talk to these people because there's a tremendous tremendous value and service that they they give to the public.
0: Well, and and there's you know that's that's a really good point too. Is you can learn you can learn a lot by reading it. And and going through and reviewing it. But when you're when you're going through and you're researching, say something to do to your land, it's it's easy to to go and read, but then you're reliant on your ability to find the topic at hand, right? You you're you're looking for a topic and you're hoping that you can stumble on it and you know, not so much stumble, maybe you know what you're looking for. But when you talk to somebody whose whose whole mission is it is to help you they can kind of connect those dots. What you what you create for yourself is a faster process to learn where they can go through and say, oh, well, you have this. Well, you should be looking up that because if, if you didn't know what to look up as you go into research, you might not ever even find it. But if you have somebody that can connect the dots for you, and then if they have experience, you know, a long, a long amount of time invested in, in that kind of help, they can, they can help you learn that much faster. You're accumulating years of knowledge just by talking to somebody and just working with them as opposed to, you know, sitting down and, and kind of digging through and trying to do it all on your own. Cause I feel like a lot of landowners try to do it on their own. Like, well, I'm going to try out this plant or I'm going to do this when you could talk to somebody who's sort of educated on the topic or been doing this for a long time and they can help you skip all those, those intermediary steps to get to the, to where you want to get.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I deal with uh, a, a family of farmers in Louisiana and I mean, really they help me understand this because uh, you know, I'll be out on the farm with them and they'll tell me, Oh yeah, well, we're doing this tailwater recovery system. And I'm like, Okay, what is that? And they're like, Well, <laughs> you know, we've got an irrigated farm, we take all the the runoff from the irrigation and recapture that in basically a large pond, and then we're able to take that water that we took out of the aquifer instead of taking more water out underground, we can take water back out of this tailwater system and pump it back. So, you know, it's things like that when you think about, okay, well, it's almost like recycling, you know, you're just taking something you've already reused and reusing it without depleting one of our natural resources, you know, um, that helps, you know, the aquifer from getting salty and, 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 or drying up. So, um, and the NRCS paid 75% of that project's cost.
0: So, <laughs> and that's specific to tailwaters, right? Like water that comes out below a dam.
1: Well, no, water that comes, they, they pumped it out of the ground to
0: irrigate a farm. So they have wells, irrigation wells, they pump it out of the ground. Oh, so this is aquifer and... water. Okay. So I was, I was thinking, I'm sorry, but I, it's my fly fishing background. I'm thinking tailwater. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so, so this is water that's pumped out that you re- that you recapture and yep. then hold so that you're not pulling more out of the aquifer.
1: Right. You're creating a reservoir, you know, above ground, and then you can basically put a pump in that reservoir and pump it back out without taking more groundwater out. Gotcha so you're, reused, exactly. okay. re- you're reusing the water you already used um to, ir- to irrigate a farm. If, if if people have any kind of questions or just want to you know, want to look online before they go to the USDA office, the websites are very helpful. It's nrcs.usda.gov or fsa.usda.gov. And you can kind of get a handle on what to expect and what kind of programs are there before you go into the USDA office just by doing a little research online at first.
0: Yeah, yeah, to so at least prep you out a little bit to to sort of know the questions to ask and know what you're looking for. It would be helpful. So yeah, check out those websites. So when you, when you started out as a land agent here in 2012, um, it's my guess that you probably were not as aware of these programs. I mean, being around land, you could have been, but it's just, just my assumption that that you've probably slowly learned about these programs to where you could introduce them to people that you work with or just educate landowners that you talk to. What was it like when you were sort of, sort of like just Learning all that this stuff in the first place.
1: Yeah, like you said, when I first started in the land business in 2012, I was fairly green. Other than just, you know, hey, I like to hunt ducks and I like to hunt deer. So there's a lot more to selling land than that, though. Um, I'd say it's probably seven years ago I, I started learning more about the CSP programs and and, and knew a little bit about WRP now WRE. In CRP before, but I'd say within the last three years, kind of been more involved in telling landowners about the opportunities with the USDA. Um, it goes back to being what we call a land expert. You know, you're you should. Continue to talk to landowners even even after you sell a piece of property to them. And if you can help them and help guide them to the right resources, you know, you continue to foster that relationship. And not only do you educate them, but you can get educated, too, because they may call you. Hey, Jack, thanks for you know sending me to the NRCS office. I'm about to start this project. Do you want to come out and see how it's coming along? So you go back out and revisit their farm and spend time with them. Um, and they kind of tell you about the process. Uh, you know, it's not, it's not just going in there and saying, Hey, I want to do this. I mean, it's an application process and then they rank them. So you, you may go in there and and nothing may happen this year. So you got to be persistent and go back in, continue to talk to the USDA personnel and continue to apply because, just because it didn't rank high this year doesn't mean it may not rank high next application period. Um, right. so it's a process,
0: you know, and and you bring up a, a good point about, about your role in sort of the whole land process is, is I feel like, you know, we all, we all work in real estate, right? I mean, it's, it's land, it's, it's acquisition of of land to build on or land to farm or land to ranch or land to hunt. Um, and, and, working with real estate, you can get lumped in with, with sort of that, that uh, the mindset of this person is here to make, to help me make a transaction, which fundamentally that is what it is, right? Like land agents are there to help people sell and buy land. But when, when you're working as a land agent, it's a little more in depth, right? Like you, you are essentially a consultant. You're there to assist someone in the process, but also in identifying new uses for land or best uses for that land or, or, you know, optimizing even where, you know, maybe they're doing something that might not be the best use of that land. And, and you're sort of there to help guide the process or you're help you're there to help provide them an avenue of knowledge that they might not have had before. Right. Like, so it's, it's, it's very intensive, the the, the way that, that you guys work with land. Well, I mean, you said a key word there, a
1: consultant. And then we, we, kind of hit on that at first talking about ALC accredited land consultant. So that's what RLI wants you to become. I think it's more than just selling land. It's being an expert to where you can, you know, help landowners through the whole process. And like you said, what is going to increase the value of my property the most? What's its highest and best use, you know, um, continuing to just have those conversations with landowners is part of being an ALC. It's not just a one and done. Hey, I sold you a piece of land. See you later. Thank you for the business.
0: Yeah. You know? Right. And that's and that's a, a really important differentiator, right? So to where, to where it, it is, it's you're not just somebody that someone's going to work with. I mean, they can, right? They could call you up and they can buy a piece of land or they can, they can sell a piece of land and they can close out the books and, you know, say goodbye. But they're also by, by working with you, they, there's an opportunity there to have somebody to consult with to talk to, to where, you know, your entire position revolves around networking around other professionals. You mentioned at the beginning, not being, you know, forestry hasn't been something that you have dove into throughout your career. So, you know, you know, the foresters to talk to, right. You you can help them set up the right person for a prescribed burn. You can, you've got resources there to where like, you're kind of a, you're a human Rolodex, right. Where they can call you and like, Hey, I need some help with this. Do you know somebody? And, yeah. and you're there to consult kind of throughout the throughout the existence of their land and them them, you know, maintaining it.
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I think that's one thing National Land's building on with our PSP program. Um, uh, I was excited to see that rolling out this morning. You know, it, some new agent in our area may not have the relationships, but they can go to the PSP uh, program and, and maybe find a surveyor or find a forestry consultant. Um, you know, find, uh, environmental company to do a phase one or phase two on there. Um, find, find someone who has, you know, bulldozers that can clear lanes and, 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 and you know, help food plots. And, so
0: and that's a heck of a plug there. And I'm, you know what, it's, I'm still caffeinating myself this morning and I wasn't even thinking on that level. And, and you're, thank you for, uh, for helping me with my job, man. Um, Absolutely. So is, yeah, we have the we have the PSP program that you just mentioned, the Preferred Service Provider program, where you can basically go on the National Land website and you can find resources in your area that provide services. So everything from from like you mentioned, you know, surveyors to uh, you know foresters to attorneys that help you with with succession, right? Uh, right. the, the one qualifier in there being that every single service provider that is in this program that we mentioned, one, they didn't pay to get there. What they did was they worked with one of our land agents and they provided good service. So it's a vetted program. It's not a pay to play. And, and we're just providing this service for people to find others that can help them with their land. Right. Which yeah. I think kind of thing, cause normally you, you know, normally <laughs> what it is, is it's a program where you go, well and you talk to companies and, Hey, if you kick me, you know, this much money, I'll give you some, some, you know, some presence on our website. And this isn't that this, this is you provided good service and I want to refer you to others. And and it's that sort of referral service that is so valuable in, in certain areas or every area really. And I think that, that also,
1: you know, increases the level of trust knowing that, you know, John Doe surveyor over here didn't pay us $250 to be on a preserve, you know, our our PSP network. It's a guy that I had a relationship with that did a good job before. And I asked him, Hey, thank you, you know, for doing such a great job. Do you mind being on our PSP program? Sure, that's it. There's no money. You know, all it was was, Hey, thanks for doing a good job. I'd like to help grow your business and grow together.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's definitely something that landowners can take advantage of on our website. So that's, I'm really glad you brought that up. I, like I said, I wasn't even thinking on that level. I want to give credit where it's due and (laughs) you highlighted that right out of the gate. So that was, that's awesome. No problem. Well, I mean, you know, I think this whole concept of
1: this, this podcast episode is, it's not about necessarily just one person. It takes a lot of people. It takes you know, these PSP providers, it takes the NRCS and the USDA. It takes experts in land. It takes a good marketing team. And it, that's that's the approach you have to look at, it. I think, is, is the team approach. Because when you can rely on other people, I think the end result and, and coordinate things with other people, not just rely on them, because, you know, you don't want to be that kid that has – has a project in science class and doesn't do his part and everybody else does all the work, right? So you wanna you wanna coordinate and facilitate all this stuff to get a good end result and everybody walk away happy. And, but it takes more than one person to do that.
0: Right. So, so Jack, you know, I I got you butted in here for like a, like forty five minutes, and I want to be respectful of your time. I know that you have people that you the, you were serving in your area today, um. So got almost a decade, you know, and well, you know, you're right at a decade, aren't you? Um, yep. In the land industry, how does somebody get a hold of you? And and what's your general area of work? Where do you you're you're licensed in darn near every state in your area? So, so how does somebody reach you and, and, you know, what are the things that you specialize in?
1: So uh, easiest way to reach me is uh, on my cell phone, 601-395-7966. Or you can call our Mississippi office at 601-878-2484. My email is jgabriel at nationalland.com. That's how you can reach me. Um, Yeah. What I love to do Uh, I love hunting. I love fishing. And I I really like dealing with row crop land and implementing some of these programs we talked about, like WRE, because when you like to, to duck hunt and you know farmers and they have some land that they don't like to use because it stays wet. You talk about putting it in WRE. You might have just picked up a new duck hunt
0: spot. That's a terrific turn of uh, of land use, as far as making it usable. And because you know, you, if if it stays wet, it, it can damage the plants that you're trying to grow, anyways. So you might as well make use of it some other way. Right. Well, excellent. Well, hey Jack, I appreciate your time. Uh, you know, it's great talking to you, and, and it's it's always just fantastic to learn something new and and to to see the vast knowledge that that you land agents carry. Um, So I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. This concludes episode number 20 of the National Land Realty Podcast, discussing government programs designed to help you with land improvement with Jack Gabriel out of Jackson, Mississippi. You can learn more about land ownership and the buying and selling of land at nationalland.com. quick reminder, please like, review, and share our show. Our show doesn't get found if people don't talk about it and hit that like button. So if you found this show valuable, others will too. Make sure to share it. As we get reviews, we'll share them on the podcast. Now, thank you again, and we'll see you next time.